everybody. It is I, Logan Blackman, and it is a Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, very exciting, as every show is. Just very exciting to get the show underway. You never know what we're going to talk about. I mean, you could have a general idea since the past, what, month or so, maybe a little over a month, we have focused heavily on the NFL draft in positional analysis, mostly on the quarterback position. And I promise you, we will be talking about that again today because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now it could be broken, but I don't have anybody telling me that because I do this show by myself other than last Friday when I had my friend T-Boy on the show. And yes, that is his real name. You can go watch his clip from KCCI. Just go search T-Boy White KCCI and you can see the whole interview. It's my favorite interview ever done in the history of interviews ever and he has been made well aware of that fact I have shared it to him showed it to him and played it in front of him thousands of times is my favorite interview ever and yes we are here by myself again in my kitchen here in Urbandale Iowa my parents kitchen as they are still in Hawaii we are not recording this in our normal spot which is the office, I guess you could call it. The spare room in the basement is what it really is. It's not really anything special. It's an extra storage room. It's a very, very, very interesting room. That in our other spare room, I guess you could call it, are just really weird and interesting rooms. That's all I can really say about them. That's all I can really say. They're just interesting rooms. Not even my parents can really explain it. But even them in Hawaii today had to be somewhat jealous of us here in the state of Iowa. We had weather reaching upwards of 55 degrees today. It was so beautiful today. I hope you all went out and enjoyed it, or at least yesterday, because today's Wednesday for the Logan Blackman Show listeners. It's Tuesday for me, okay? It was a beautiful day. I went back home for lunch to walk my dog. He even had to go back inside and take a good two-minute water break because it was so hot outside. He getting all big and fat from the winter months, putting on the extra poundage to try and stay warm. My mom, At least that's my mom's excuse. I just think he's getting fat for the sake of being fat like a lot of us have during the winter months. We didn't really want to do anything. It's winter. It's cold. You got to stay warm. That's our body's natural way of getting warm, getting fat, <laughs> our natural way, sometimes unnatural way, but he took a long water break. And then when I went back to work right after we got done with our walk, I rode home, rode to work with the windows down. I cannot remember the last time I have done that. It was awesome. I haven't rode anywhere with my windows down in months. And then this was the first day. We have done it. I consider that a success. February 23rd, give yourself a round of applause. A round of applause, okay? Good job, February 23rd here in the state of Iowa. 55! It was beautiful. The snow's melting. You'd hardly even know we had a snowstorm on Sunday. You would never guess that. All the snow is slowly melting away. We have giant grass spots in our yard now, at least on the side of the house. It's awesome. I don't have to wear a jacket anymore, a big coat anymore. I'm just walking out in what I had on, which was sweatpants and a sweatshirt, as I wear almost every day anyways. That being said, you can hear the tone of my voice to know this is going downhill rather quickly. 
And you, a lot of people out there can agree with me on this. Today was going perfectly. Had a good day at work, a busier day at work than, per, than as per usual. I go home. I get a nice dinner. Had some Mandarin Chinese some from Mandarin Noodle House over in Johnston. It was fantastic. Went home, hung out with my dog, and I go downstairs to play some FIFA. And I've been getting into the FIFA Ultimate Team drafts recently. I've always watched videos on people building drafts, and I think I've made one draft on a couple previous FIFAs. At least one draft per FIFA is what I'm trying to say there. But now I'm starting to get into it a little more. I can build drafts very well. So last night, I built a draft. It was a 188 draft. Beautiful start to the draft. We got team of the season Bruno Fernandez as our captain. It couldn't have started any better. It was beautiful. We win our first game expectedly. Win our first game when you have a 188 with a team of the season Bruno Fernandez with a few other team of the season sprinkled throughout the team with an Allison in goal. With a Raheem Sterling, with a Kevin De Bruyne. You expect to win games. With Bakayo Saka playing right back, Mohamed Salah on the right wing. Roberto Firmino at striker. He actually scored goals, which was really interesting to see because you don't really see that in real life. But we won our first game. I don't remember what the score was. 2-1, to one, maybe I think the score was. And then I log on Tuesday night to play some football. Foot, ultimate team draft. Foot draft is what I was trying to get out there. We score not the first goal. I mean, I might as well have scored the first goal because the first goal scored in the game, I rolled right into the path of the opposing team and he just knocked it in. Easiest goal dude ever, will ever score in his entire life. And then I score. And I'm furious because like I can't believe I just gave up that goal. And then the next goal he scores, my goalie just decides, I don't want to pick up the ball. Allison just goes, I don't want to touch the ball. I want to use the same rules everybody else has on the pitch, and that is to use my feet. And then obviously, the other team slots at home, so it's 2-1. to one. And then I go on a rampage streak because I'm so pissed off, I'm playing angry, and I'm so motivated to do well. I scored three unanswered goals. With a penalty, it is to 4-2. Bruno Fernandez slots home the penalty as per usual. And then he goes down the field and scores a very a pretty decent goal with Kylian Mbappe. Can't really do a lot against Kylian Mbappe on FIFA at all. FIFA Ultimate Team. It's very hard to do that. Try and stop him, I guess I should say. And then I pass the ball to him again. I tried to play it to my left back. My left back just goes, you know what? I don't want the ball. And then tries to let, just let, or doesn't try, just lets the ball somewhat roll towards the direction of my left mid, which was Raheem Sterling, who was nowhere near the ball. It was like they had a miscommunication or something. I don't really know how to explain it. Picked it up, scored. Four to four. Extra time. Pretty much the same thing. My comp- but this time it was Wi-Fi. My player stopped dead in his tracks when we were on a counterattack. And then I couldn't get control of my player again until he was three-fourths in my half. About ready to score. And then, oh, I can finally control my players now. And then he scores. Winning five to four. I have never, ever in my life 
had a FIFA Ultimate Team game go that bad, where everything I did was against me. It wasn't like he was so much better than me. I was killing him on all aspects. He had more shots on target than me because I gifted him four shots on target. He had two more shots on target than I did. If you take away the four I gave him, he has two less than I did. And I win the game as I would thought I would have thought I would have. No, he had a good team. He had an 88 rated team. I think he had a nine or an 88 or something, 89 rated chemistry. But I have never been so upset in a FIFA Ultimate Team. I've never been so vocal in my entire life towards a FIFA Ultimate Team game until that game. And then I just turned to my dog, Bear, who's looking very scared at this point. And I go, Bear, I can't do this anymore. But then I do. I go back. I build a draft. Another 188. Very successful draft. We got team of the season, Kylian Mbappe, team of the season, Van Dyke, and Ederson in goal, Joe Gomez, Benjamin Mendy, the left back from Manchester City, Raheem Sterling, a team of the week, Raheem Sterling, 90 rated Raheem Sterling, a Europa League, Aubameyang, a Timo Werner, a Serge Nabry. We had some elite players on this team. UCL, team of the week, Kimmich, UCL, team of the week, Kante, a 90-rated Bruno Fernandez, an 86-rated Hakim Ziyech. Like, we had a good team. I haven't played a game with it yet because I was just like, the fun of this is, most of the fun of this is just playing, building the draft. It's not really playing the actual game. It's just trying to construct a very cohesive team with the best players available. And I found that I'm actually pretty good at building FIFA drafts. 88. I had a 188 draft, back-to-back 188 drafts. I'm very happy with that. Hopefully, I don't screw myself over like I did in the game today. And I'm not even going to blame FIFA, the game. I'm going to blame myself. I had four brain, like, shut-off moments. I would say brain fart, but I would also just say my brain just completely shut off. I wasn't thinking. I didn't really know what I was doing. It was like a throw it, two seconds later, oh crap. And that's when the ball's in the back of the net. And maybe some people out there have experienced this types of things. You get this in FIFA a lot, where things that just don't make sense happen. And it seems to happen more in Ultimate Team than it does when you're just playing by yourself where these moments just happen, where you don't know how to explain it. You just hold your hands up and just go, I don't know what I was supposed to do there. You get that more in Ultimate Team than anything. I will blame my Wi-Fi, though, because there were multiple times my players would just stand still when I was on a counterattack and I couldn't do anything. Like, they would stop. It would lag so much that my players, it would fast forward and then my players would stop and then fast forward again and then the players already dribbled past me. And already has the ball back. And my parents know our Wi-Fi is trash. My mom complains about our Wi-Fi almost on a daily basis. And that's not being sarcastic or exaggerating or anything. That's 100% factual. I get a text message from my mom asking me if I'm on the Wi-Fi almost daily. Because she needs it. Our Wi-Fi is trash. There's no one else in this house that I know of. Maybe there is. 
and I just don't know about it. And he's listening to me, he or she is listening to me right now. Talk about whoever's in the house right now. I don't know if they're in here or not. Just looked around my shoulder a little bit just to double check. But it shouldn't be this bad when it's just one person in the house. That's how bad, and it's in the basement. Our router's in the basement. I don't get it. It was a poor showing from me. Poor showing from the Wi-Fi. And I just hope we can gather ourselves later and work things out because that was absolutely atrocious. And I was so upset, visually upset. I'm sorry, Bear, that he had to go through that. That's my dog's name for those of you who are unaware. But man, people that play FIFA know exactly what I'm talking about. You get this in Madden a lot too, just a lot of angry people in Madden. Madden's the worst sports game of all time. I don't care what anybody says. I hate the new Maddens. The new ones. I love some of the older Maddens. My first video game on the computer, one of the first ones, was Madden 03 with Marshall Falk on the cover. It was on my Windows 98 computer. It was one of my favorite games of all time. The Bills had Drew Bledsoe at the time. The Rams obviously had Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. The Bengals were quarterbacked by John Kitna. The Jets had Vinny Testaverde. Like, it was a great game. And then it just randomly stopped working. But Madden sucks. I hate Madden. Bring back the street games. Bring back the 2K game, because 2K5, ESPN, 2K5, for those of you unaware, with Terrell Owens on the cover, might be the greatest football game outside of the street games ever. Next to, like, NCAA football games, of course. But those are coming back. I don't know if 2K... Well, actually, no, 2K is coming back. They announced they're coming back, right, with a football game? I could be wrong about that, but I think I asked a question about that in my Chicago Bears quiz, which you can go watch on YouTube. The only quiz I've ever done on my YouTube channel. <laughs> Should probably bring that back. Or at least just start uploading more videos. I think to, I just need to get more time on my hands because I'm really... I'm at work all the time, and then I record podcast episodes, and they take a long time to edit themselves versus just a video. Videos take a lot longer to edit. Maybe we should start uploading a little more. Go watch the Bears quiz on YouTube if you haven't. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you aren't already because we've got, we do have some videos coming for you in the semi-near future. So just be prepared for that. And on that topic, go and follow me on every form of social media. Logan underscore Blackman is my Twitter account. Better than Thundersnow811. Just to me anyways. To some people might not. That was my old Twitter account. Or Twitter account name. Because it's the still it's the same account. And then on Instagram, Blackman Logan's my personal one. The Logan Blackman Show one is my Instagram account for the show. Go like the Logan Blackman Show on Facebook and go up subscribe, obviously, to the YouTube channel and to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. You just search those in the search bar and they should pop up because I don't think there's a lot of other shows out there that go by the name the Logan Blackman Show. And the 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 is very important there. Ohio State, when I was at UNI, they tried to trademark the, like the Ohio State University. They tried to trademark that. They didn't succeed in that because I have already got the trademark for the, or the, however you want to pronounce it. It's my trademark. I like the Fine Brothers uh, trademarking React. So every time anybody uses that in a thumbnail or a title or just in the description somewhere on YouTube, the boom. Revenue. Now, it's not that anymore because they took a lot of flack for that, and rightfully so, because React is a very big and popular 
genre of YouTube videos. For those of you who don't watch YouTube, it's a very popular genre of YouTube videos. I myself have never really gotten into the whole React video scene. I think I was subscribed to the Fine Brothers when YouTube was like, when I first started watching YouTube, but not anymore. I've been subscribed to Zia's. He reacts to things a lot, a lot of rap music videos. I've been subscribed to him for about three or four years now. Maybe a little less than that. I might. It just feels a lot longer than that. But he's really the only subscription I have to reaction channels. I never really got on that trend. But I know a lot of people really like those. Same with the ASMR videos. I never really got into those either. But man, where, what were we even talking about? <laughs> I, tend, I see that happens quite a bit here on the Logan Blackman show. We're 16, almost 17 minutes into the show, and I don't really know what we're talking about. We were talking about getting screwed over in FIFA. I don't really want to talk about that the entirety of the game, even, even though it's probably the most relatable thing we're going to talk about today. Because a lot of people, at least my friends anyways, they love sports. They all love sports, but some of them don't follow it as close as other friends. And some friends just don't care about sports at all. So that might be, because even if you don't watch sports, people play FIFA. Regardless if you watch soccer or not, people play FIFA. It's one of the best, or not, I shouldn't say the best, but it's one of the most popular sports video games, if not the most popular. I think them in 2K are very close together. And when I say 2K, everybody knows you mean the NBA. NBA 2K, not any other of the 2K games they released, like MLB 2K, that was trash. And speaking of that, welcome Xbox users to the show. I'm upset that MLB The Show decided to go over to Xbox because that was the one thing we could do over at PlayStation. One of the things we could do, other than just being better than Xbox was saying, hey, we got a baseball game. You losers don't. Now they do, sadly. But man, but just for a little short bit, I would just like to give an announcement. It's not really an announcement. It's more of a congratulatory thing. We talked about NBA 2K a little bit for like five seconds, but Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls was named an all-star reserve. Let's go. Yes. Zach Levine is an all-star reserve. That is freaking beautiful. I am so happy he's an all-star reserve. It, it just brings me with joy. It just brings joy up inside of me that Zach Levine has made the all-star game. It's beautiful. Here's the other Eastern all-stars for those of you who don't know. Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Julius Randle, James Harden, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic. Not really surprised by those guys. Maybe some people could say they were surprised by like Ben Simmons and then someone like Trey White not making, or Trey Young not making the NBA All-Star game. And then we've got the Western All-Stars. We got Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson making his first All-Star appearance, and Chris Paul. People obviously upset that Devin Booker did not make the All-Star game. Very upsetting stuff. Chris Paul made it above Devin Booker. Now, I said this, I think I said this on Friday. I have done a very bad job at watching basketball in general. I said this on Monday, too. College basketball and the NBA. Other than the Bulls, I'm very out of the loop in regards to <laughs> records and how teams are doing. 
I'm coming, becoming one of those, and I hate that I say this because I always did not want to do this. I think I'm just becoming a casual basketball fan. I love the Bulls, always will. But other than the Bulls, I could just care less watching basketball. I just, I don't know, even college basketball. This is the tier, as a Iowa Hawkeye football fan, that I should be excited to watch Iowa Hawkeye basketball. And I'm just not. I don't think I've been anxious or excited to watch an Iowa basketball game this year, like a lot of people have. I think the last Iowa basketball game I watched the entirety of was Iowa-North Carolina. And there might be one of them that's sprinkled in there somewhere. Gonzaga, maybe that was before, I don't know if that was before or after North Carolina, but I watched the entirety of that game. But man, I've been bad at following baseball this year, or basketball this year. Baseball, I'm usually pretty good at following. I love baseball. One of my favorite sports to watch, which is weird because the NBA and college basketball are so much more exciting than the MLB. Baseball, notoriously one of the most boring sports to watch for the average viewer, but I always enjoy watching baseball. I love baseball. My family played baseball. Everybody in my family pretty much has played baseball at some point in their life. My papa almost did it professionally, going to the Orioles for a little bit, not actually making it to the majors, but was drafted by the Orioles, so we're counting it here. <laughs> now, a lot there's a lot of dra- there's a lot of rounds in baseball. And back then there was a lot a lot of rounds, but still drafted, so it's pretty cool. I'm excited for baseball to start, though. I'm excited. Been seeing some pictures and videos of the Chicago Cubs at camp. That's very exciting. Seeing Jock Peterson in his first shot with the Cubs. Seeing pictures of him. Jake Arrieta back in a Cubs uniform, seeing Bryant, Rizzo, Baez all back in their Cubby blues. It's not really the blues, it's the pinstripes. And then Jason Hayward's in there too. Ian Happ saw him today. Wilson Contreras, Zach Davies. Seeing all these guys, I'm very excited for baseball to start. And I did my rough draft of baseball predictions today. But I'm not going to release them until, you know, after spring training's over and the baseball season's actually going to kick off. But I have a rough guesstimate right now about what I want to do for my baseball prediction for the 2021 season. I'm excited, though. I'm very, very excited, though. But the thing I'm excited for more than anything is my favorite sporting event in the world. I would say the World Cup is up there because I love what, regardless, the U.S. didn't even make it last year. And I still enjoyed watching the World Cup. The World Cup is awesome. Even my papa who could care less about soccer, loves watching the World Cup. Loved the World Cup. Cheered on Sweden last one. Hopefully I could cheer on the United States and Sweden. If the United States doesn't make it, good Lord, Greg Berhalter is going to have to get slingshotted or catapulted to freaking Mars because we are, if he can't make it with this group of players, that's more embarrassing than Bruce Arena's failure on getting that team to the World Cup even though they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. The talent on this team, and we discussed it a bunch, is so amazing and so much better than any crop of American talent they've ever had. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to watch how it all develops. But one thing, sadly, is that Jordan Morris has torn his ACL again, and apparently this one's very, very bad, as opposed to the previous ones. So his shot at going to, or to Qatar, it's going to be very long, but he's got a longer period to do that than if it was a normal World Cup in the summer, since this one will be in the winter. So hopefully 
he recovers fast enough or good enough to where he can continue to be in a shot of that plane trip to Qatar because he's talented enough to go to the he's talented enough to go to Qatar and deserves to go based off what he did last year with the Seattle Sounders. But he can't keep getting hurt. I know that hasn't affected Josie's position with the U.S., but Jordan Morris is not held the same esteem between the U.S. men's national team as Josie Altador. Whether right, wrong, or otherwise, he's just not. But the World Cup is easily one of my favorites as well, but the best and favorite event in sports is the NFL Draft. And I think most of you realize that at this point in time that I absolutely love the NFL Draft. I don't really care. I mean, I love the Super Bowl. I'll always watch the Super Bowl, but I'll never actually, you know, it won't be my favorite thing until my team is there. Otherwise, it's just watching another game. And I love seeing who gets crowned champions of the world, but they don't really care. My team's never been in the NBA Finals. I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's another one of my favorite sporting events of all time, the Stanley Cup playoffs. The greatest playoffs in the history of sports is the Stanley Cup playoffs. I have been treated to great years with the Stanley Cup playoffs in the 2010s. And thank you, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Corey Crawford, Joel Quenville, and others. Thank you for making the 2010s a very fun decade, or at least the five years they were so dominant. Thank you for that, because that was awesome. Because I know my dad has suffered through that with being the Buffalo Sabres. But the NFL draft is my favorite thing in sports. I love the NFL draft. I follow the NFL draft more closely than I do almost anything. And before we get into that, I'm going to take a nice swig of Arnold Palmer, which I've got a nice little can right next to me. I'm going to take a quick sip of this. <sighs> Fun fact, my dad can't say Arnold Palmer. I don't know why. It's one of those words where you don't know how you can't say it, but you can't say it. He can't say that. I mean, he struggles with it. He's gotten better with it over the years. It's not like it's that hard of a name to say Arnold Palmer. My sister can't say tarantula. She says talantula or something stupid like that. I don't know. Sometimes when people do this, I start thinking like, I think you can say it. You're just trying to be funny. And that's what I kind of get the vibes of with my sister saying talantula. I don't think that's how she actually says it. I think she just thinks she's funny. My dad has struggled for years saying Arnold Palmer. I don't know if he can, is it, it might just be like, a, what is it, Stewie and Family Guy who goes, oh, what does he say? I can't remember, it's too, like Wheat Thins? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. That was a bad, I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember what he says. I can't remember what he says, so I'm sorry. I'm just going to stop talking about Stewie's situation on Family Guy because he says something funny. He says a few things funny. But I'm just not going to remember saying it. A cool whip. Say whip. Whip. Now say cool whip. Cool whip. It's like that. Can you say Arnold Palmer the golfer? Arnold Palmer. Can you say Arnold Palmer the drink? Arnold Palmer. Man, that was such a great joke, Logan. We should tell that one more and more. Yes, we should, Logan. And without further ado, let's talk a little about the draft. This was a thing that came out. What was this? Yesterday, so the 22nd for me, two days ago for y'all, it was a quote from Devontae Smith. I don't know if it's a direct quote. I don't know how the hell this quote even surfaced, but apparently Devontae Smith said Mac Jones was his favorite quarterback, and he was bold and definitive about it. 
because Tua hasn't had enough problems this offseason in regards to his future. And this, let's just throw another thing into the fire for Tua and not wanting or not going to be the Dolphins quarterback next year. I like Tua. He had a perfectly normal rookie year. It is not anything out of the ordinary. A lot of quarterbacks have had average rookie years. He didn't even have a bad year. But comparatively to that of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, especially Justin Herbert since you were taken before Justin Herbert, kind of hurts a little bit. But I don't think Tua's a bad quarterback. I just think he had a normal rookie year. And I don't like that he keeps getting thrown around in all these things. But this is just another thing to throw into the rent, the fire that is Tua Tagovailoa's future with the Miami Dolphins. At least that's what it seems like. And this was a screenshot I took today since September, Tua's current and former teammates have said the following. They were unimpressed with Tua during training camp. They were, quote, caught off guard when he was named the starter in Week 7. They were disappointed when Fitzpatrick wasn't available in Week 17 because they believed he was better. They weren't impressed with Tua's ball velocity, arm strength, or ability to make plays with his legs. Question on whether he will ever be able to make be able to match the feats of the top QBs in the AFC. One, of the, one team asked Smith, Point Blake, Tua, or Jones... The question was barely finished before Smith answered Mac Jones. He was bold and definitive with his statement. Now, I'm no rocket scientist here, but Devontae Smith did win the Heisman with Mac Jones throwing the football. So I think it's fair to say Mac Jones was his favorite quarterback of his era in Alabama. Him and Tua had a lot of great success together. They came in Alabama at the same time. From what it sounds like, Tua was the reason it Devontae Smith went to Bama. If you watch the highlights from the U.S. Army All-American game, Tua was trying to, what was the, what's the word I'm looking for? Convince him to come to Alabama? And eventually he did. And it worked out very well for Devontae Smith. Won a freaking Heisman out of it. So I'm not going to hold a lot of water with, oh man, I, I'm taking Mac Jones over Tua. Oh man, that means Tua sucks. Oh no. It doesn't mean he sucks. Everybody's got their own preferences. Jalen Waddle might think Tua's a better quarterback. I bet if you ask Jerry Judy, who played with Mac Jones a little bit last year, might say Tua's the better quarterback. You get different tastes with different players. That doesn't make them significantly better. In certain some situations, it can. But I don't know. You got different tastes with different receivers. Devontae Smith won a freaking Heisman with Mac Jones throwing the ball. I'm not really going to sit here and go, I hate Tua. Tua's a terrible quarterback. Tua needs to get out of Miami. He needs to get traded. Now, if you're trading for Deshaun Watson, yes, do that. Because Deshaun Watson, I can sit here and say this, Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than Tua. That's still not saying Tua's a bad quarterback. It's just saying he's not a top five quarterback because because Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Tua is not at this point in time. Maybe he needs a new change of scenery because everything in Miami just seems like it's going tits up pretty much. For him, Dolphins look like they have a pretty bright future. And if they can get Deshaun Watson, that should strike fear to the hearts of a lot of teams in the NFL. Got an established culture and even developing culture with Brian Flores. You've got a good defense. You've got a lot of draft picks and a lot of capital and a lot of cap space. You can get Deshaun Watson with ease, and then you can get some pieces this offseason to make the Dolphins even better. 
Because to Tua's defense, the Dolphins didn't have a ton on offense. They had two rookie tackles in Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt. They had Devontae Parker, some other wide receivers, an athletic tight end in Gusecki in a rotating, really weird running back situation. Where, I what was it? Miles Gaskins was the best running back there? Like it was a weird situation down there in Miami. Offensively, defensively, they were pretty solid. You had Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy. They had some good pieces on defense. Christian Wilkins. I don't think they're concerned about defense, but they could build some things in the offense to make Tua, or just elevate Tua a little bit. Again, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I do think he's worse than Deshaun, but that's not really saying a lot. There's a lot of quarterbacks worse than Deshaun Watson. That's why every single team in the NFL, barring like three teams, have not ca- have called about Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs being one, the Bills being one, and I'm pretty sure the Ravens haven't called or have even thought about it. All Every other team in the NFL has experimented with the thought of getting Deshaun Watson. Even the Seattle Seahawks, because apparently Russell Wilson is available. I didn't really know how much I bought it about his availability, even though that he did come after the Seahawks, talk about the offensive line thing, but he's not wrong. Andrew Luck retired because they couldn't build an O-line. Chris Ballard got there too late. You couldn't save Andrew Luck at that point. You didn't get him Quentin Nelsons, but you couldn't save him at that point. He's already done. Injuries killed him, and it's a shame. It's a shame. Chris Ballard got there too late. But I don't blame Russell Wilson for wanting more protection in Seattle. He gets hit a lot. He's going to be the most sacked quarterback of all time. What is he, almost at 400 or 500 career sacks in nine years in the NFL? That's a lot. He's been sacked a lot. And the Seahawks O-line has been miserable throughout his time in the NFL. It's not been bad. It has been miserable for most of his time. You've had good players up there. Like, you know, Russell Kung was there. Who else do you have up there? Is that it? Am I just blanking, or is that the only one I can remember that was in Seattle as an offensive lineman that's actually a good offensive lineman? Is there anybody else? Am I just blanking? Is this just a bad representation by me because I just can't remember who only of their offensive linemen are? So I don't blame Russell Wilson for wanting to get out of there. Man. I don't know where he'd get traded. There's a lot of teams that are obviously, much like Deshaun Watson, there's going to be a lot of teams that are trading or going to ask questions about Russell Wilson. Apparently he's worth three first-round picks. So the Seahawks and Texans, who do not have a first-round pick, could hold a few first-round picks in this draft with one single trade trading for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Now, there's a lot of quarterbacks that will be available This offseason, including the quarterbacks in the draft, obviously, there's five to six very good quarterbacks in this draft, and there's a lot of average to good quarterbacks, like the Jamie Newmans, Ian Books, Sam Ellingers of the world, Felipe Franks, among some other quarterbacks out there. But obviously the top six, in no order, Trevor Lawrence Fields, Wilson Lance, Mac Jones, and Kyle Trask. Those are the six that are the definitive best quarterbacks in the draft at this point in time. Now, that could obviously change. Certain quarterbacks in certain situations either work out or don't work out. Maybe 
Trevor Lawrence is a massive bust. Maybe. I'm not saying he will be, but maybe. There's always a chance. There's no such thing as a can't-miss prospect. Anybody can bust at any time. Heck, people were still trying to decide between Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. If the Colts decided to go with Ryan Leaf, which they were, apparently they were 50-50 on Leaf and Manning, they are in a completely different trajectory than where they are right now and looked at a lot differently than what we view them right now. And the Chargers are viewed in a lot better esteem than what we do right now. A lot of people would grow up being Chargers fans because of Peyton Manning. There's a lot of Colts fans in Indianapolis and outside Indianapolis. I, I had a Peyton Manning Colts jersey. A lot of Peyton Manning fans. One of the most popular quarterbacks of all time. Now imagine Ryan Leaf there. <laughs> Can't. You don't really want to. Been another Jeff George situation they had going on there. Not learning from past mistakes. Does the Indianapolis Colts in taking Ryan Leaf and then Manning going to the Chargers in San Diego, then who knows what else happens and where everybody else goes. Because if Peyton Manning's there in San Diego, I don't think the Chargers have the number one overall pick at that time. So where does Eli Manning go? Does he still go to the Giants? Does he still do all this stuff? I don't know. I don't know what would happen there. Do the char- Are the Chargers able to draft LaDainian Thomason? I don't know. They had the number one pick. Because they drafted Ryan Leaf. <laughs> they went 1-15. And, and then traded back with the Falcons who took Michael Vick and they took LT. That's the fun of the draft. Trades that can happen. Now I can guarantee. I, I'm not going to say guarantee. Because again, everything's possible in the draft. The Jaguars, I'm very confident they stay at number one. I don't think that's a lot of... It doesn't, doesn't take a lot to say that. I think it's very obvious the Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence. Regardless of people rank just Zach Wilson or Mac Jones for June Jones' sake above Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is 98% locked to go number one overall because there's obviously going to be a chance. The 1% goes to Zach Wilson going overall, and the other one it goes to Mac Jones because those are the only two people I've seen that people, regardless of who they are, people rank above Trevor Lawrence. Now, I don't agree with them, but you never know. People are entitled to their opinions. And because it's opinion, you can't tell them it's wrong. You can't tell them it's wrong because it's their opinion and opinions can't be wrong. Which is technically right, but it doesn't mean we can't still get pissed off and annoyed by it. And you're, I can, you can be entitled to your opinion. I am also entitled to call you a freaking idiot because of your opinion. And it's also my opinion that you're wrong. So boom, put that in your, <laughs> as Kuderay Cornholer says, Put that in your crack pipe and smoke it. If you don't know what Kudere Colonel is and you're from Iowa, I'm very sorry for you. You obviously didn't watch and grow up watching the heyday of Chris Hassel on Sound Off. Man, if only Chris Hassel was around in Iowa to make fun of Dan Campbell. Do you know how many Dan Campbell things we would have here in the central Iowa? There'd be Lions fans popping up everywhere. Dan Campbell's quote, I saw this on Twitter the other day. I don't want a bunch of people to drink a gallon of coffee like I do in a day. Gotta love Dan Campbell. I don't know. Does Devontae Smith drink a gallon of coffee a day? Does Jared Goff drink a gallon of coffee today? a day? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. We'll never know. Maybe Trey Lance does. We're not drafting him because I just remembered he didn't want those guys. Don't want guys to drink a gallon of coffee a day like he does. Don't want it. Don't need it. But man, it's exciting. 
And I saw a mock draft the other day that I was like, this is one of my favorite mock drafts I've seen in a while. I thoroughly enjoyed a mock draft. So if you want to go look at the mock draft, it's on Instagram at fantasyfootball.101. They post a mock draft. When was this? Yesterday, the 22nd. I think it's a pretty good, it's an enjoyable draft to read. It's not like the first thing that pops in your head. It's a logical draft. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Like having Penny Sewell going number three to Miami. And then Rashawn Slater going number five to Cincinnati. Because in a lot of cases, having a top-tier off-to-tackle prospect like Penny Sewell, you don't see, regardless of how top-tier they are, wide receivers going before off-to-tackles. Because tackles and franchise-saving left tackles and that are harder to find than good wide receivers. You can find good wide receivers and good running backs in later rounds. It's happened throughout the history of NFL. You can do that with off-to-tackles as well, but there's a lot more talented first-round tackles than there are first-round wide receivers throughout the history of the NFL. I know you've got, like, Jerry Rice, first-round wide receiver, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, all first-round wide receivers. But then you've got, like, Roy Williams, Mike Williams. Who else is a first-round wide receiver that sucked? John Ross. Corey Coleman was a first-round wide receiver. Who else has been a first-round wide receiver that I'm just completely blanking on right now? A lot of them. The 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 former what, Arkansas quarterback that got drafted by the Jaguars. He got drafted as a wide receiver. Don't know why, but he got drafted in the first round by the Jaguars. Obviously, it did not work out in the NFL because, one, I can't remember his name, and two, he played like three seasons in the NFL before getting in trouble, if I remember right. This draft, it's a cool draft. I would recommend you go checking it out. The, ja- the 49ers taking off to tackle. Chargers taking Vera Tucker. I really like Vera Tucker going to the L.A. Chargers. Jalen Waddle going to the Patriots. I don't know if Waddle falls all the way to 15 because of the speed thing. Speed's important in the draft. A lot of people value speed. I like the fact that he had Micah Parsons falling as far as he did to 17 because I do think that's happening. Even though I had him going to 9, I did toy with the fact that he could drop a little bit. There's going to be one of those star players that drops a little bit. There is every year. There is every single year. And Micah Parsons seems to be that kind of guy where not a lot of people know where he's going, and it's looking like it might be the safer thing to predict. He goes outside the top 10 than inside the top 10. He has top 10 talent, but apparently he's got a lot of character concerns where you could see him drop outside the top 10 with a lot of people out there reportedly comparing him to Reuben Foster, the former Alabama quarterback who was on the Niners and then Washington and then out of the NFL for getting in trouble numerous times. But yeah, I thought that was a good mock draft. And then, obviously, we've talked about the Jets start the draft with the second overall pick. I saw this on Instagram again. Who will go number two? With Trevor Lawrence, obviously, going number one overall. Who should go number two? Penny Sewell, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance? Now, just just to talk about the quarterbacks, because I think Penny Sewell has a better chance going number two than, say, Trey Lance does. That's just in my opinion. I think Penny Sewell makes a lot of sense to go to the Jets with the second overall pick. Looking at what Joe Douglas does, a former offensive lineman, drafting Mekhi Becton, and then getting a guy like Penny Sewell to play the other tackle position. Now, you'll be hard-pressed to find a left tackle that will willingly, right away, go to right tackle. 
because one, left tackles make a lot more money, and it's the glamour position of the tackles because you're guarding the blind side. Usually the most one of the most athletic offensive linemen. You're the favorite offensive lineman out of the babes out there, and even the dudes too, outside of Quentin Nelson. Actually, I'd say the dudes favor the guards. Like Quentin Nelson, the dudes love themselves Quentin Nelson. At least I do. I love Quentin Nelson. Love John Feliciano of the Bills. Love these guys. But out of these quarterbacks, listen to this. This is the number of starts they've had. Zach Wilson, 30. Justin Fields, 34. And then this is what we talked about with Trey Lance the other day, talking about him going to the Falcons, how raw he is. 18 starts. He has just over half of Justin Fields' career starts and has 12 less starts than Zach Wilson. He has a full season of less starts than Zach Wilson and then a full season plus the two playoff games than Justin Fields, which could hurt him, but also could very much help him. As we talked about, he's a very raw prospect. Teams get drawn to that. Even looking at Trubisky, he had 13 starts in college. 13! That is the lowest out of any first-round quarterback, to my knowledge, in NFL history. The Bears drafted him because they saw the 13 starts. Like We can try and build that. But the problem is, they didn't have a coach that knew they were drafting him. Okay, that's a big problem. And he traded up to get him. And with two other amazing quarterbacks going after him, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It's a problem. <laughs> it's a very big problem you're facing there. I don't know where Trubisky will go. I get, Honestly, I could see him going back to Chicago. Reports say they don't have any interest in reunion, but I think it might just make sense for both of them just to go back together. Just what it seems like at this point in time. Kiss and make up, Nagy. You and Trubisky were made for each other. You can try to kill him, but you just can't. But Zach Wilson, we're looking at total yards, 8, 000, over 8,000 yards, total yards. Justin Fields, 6,500 yards. Trey Lance, 3,900 yards, almost basically 4,000 yards. 44 total touchdowns for Trey Lance. Two of them coming in that one game. He played against Central Arkansas, one passing, one rushing. Justin Fields, 86 touchdowns. Justin Wilson, Zach Wilson, 71 touchdowns. Passer rating, 162.9 for Wilson, 178.8 for Fields, and 180.7 for Trey Lance. They're all the best at some categories. Like passing yards goes to, or total yards goes to Wilson. Touchdowns goes to Fields. Passer rating goes to Lance. Now, if I had to grade each of these quarterbacks, we've talked about this numerous times, I think Wilson and Fields are 2A and 2B in this draft. I think they both provide very similar yet different things. And we're comparing them side by side. And this is something, actually, I'll just use this. Daniel Jeremiah was my favorite draft guy. Ever, if you want to follow the NFL draft, I would recommend this. Go follow the NFL Network. The NFL Network covers the draft a thousand times better than ESPN. They had Mike Mayock on before and Daniel Jeremiah on now. Mike Mayock's obviously the GM of the Las Vegas Raiders right now. Daniel Jeremiah used to be a scout a scout for the Baltimore Ravens. He's connected in scouting circles around the NFL. He's very connected in these circles. He was the first person I saw that said Baker Mayfield would go number one to the Cleveland Browns when that ended up happening. That's what got me to say Baker Mayfield will go number one in my last mock draft before the 2018 NFL draft. And I posted that like minutes before the draft started. But I'd recommend going and watch that. Here's Daniel Jeremiah's 
QB checklist. Poise, decision-making, accuracy, playmaking, toughness, leadership. Now, out of the three quarterbacks we have here in Wilson, Fields, and Lance, we're going to put one of these quarterbacks, or we're just going to put these quarterbacks on these marks, okay? Now, if I'm doing this off the top, if I'm looking at this right now, the two at the very bottom, toughness and leadership, I would argue that has to go to Justin Fields. We obviously see how tough he is playing through the injury against Clemson, throwing six passing touchdowns. I think he's the best leader out of these ones, at least the most experienced leaders, played the most games in college. Trey Lance only had one season start. I don't know how well of leaders or how good of leaders Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields are, but from what I can tell, Justin Fields seems to be the best leader. If we're talking about playmaking, I think Trey Lance is the best playmaker. Again, he's the only quarterback in this draft that has over 1,000 rushing yards in a season. He had 1,100 rushing yards. Watching North Dakota State the other day, watching Zeb Noland try to play quarterback for them, it limited their offense not having Trey Lance there because that's when you see how important someone like Trey Lance is to their offense when they're not running the ball with their quarterback because they, they can't. Trey Lance led North Coast State in rushing last year by like almost 200 yards, maybe a little less than 200 yards. Zeb Nolan didn't even register a single rush in the game, or at least it didn't get marked down. So if we're talking about rushing and passing ability, I think Trey Lance is the best out of this draft. The potential, the rawness, plus the playmaking ability, it's easy to see why teams would view Trey Lance in such a high regard. Okay? Easy to see that. If we're going poise, I think the best one with poise is Zach Wilson. I think he stands in the pocket the best and takes hits. He doesn't hold on the ball too long. gets rid of the ball very fast. That's one of the marks against Justin Fields, that he holds on to the ball too long. You saw that against teams like Northwestern. You saw that against teams like Indiana. The two worst games he's had in college were against those two teams. Two good defenses. No disrespect to those teams, but he played the worst against those two teams. Even though on the face of it, you see Ohio State struggling against Indiana and Northwestern. You scratch your head a little bit, but you shouldn't because those two teams were very talented this year. Poise, I would give that to Zach Wilson. Decision-making, I would give that to Zach Wilson. If we're basing it off this year, if we're obviously going off last year, 42 touchdowns and three interceptions for Justin Fields, it's kind of hard to go, wow, anybody better than him in decision-making this draft? I think Zach Wilson tops him in that in decision-making. So poison decision-making, I'll give to Justin to Zach Wilson. Accuracy, I give that to Justin Fields. I think they're all very accurate quarterbacks. I just think Justin Fields is the most accurate out of these quarterbacks. So if we're going through this six-mark list, two of them to Zach Wilson, one to Trey Lance, three categories to Justin Fields. And you can even argue Justin Fields is better than Trey Lance and just and Zach Wilson in some of these categories. But I think toughness and leadership's clear. I think Justin Fields is better in those. Playmaking, I'll give that to Trey Lance. Accuracy, I think Justin Fields is the most accurate quarterback in this draft. You can you can argue with me about Mac Jones. I don't really care. You can you can do that if you want. Again, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, decision making, just Zach Wilson. I keep saying Justin Wilson, Zach Wilson, and then poise Zach Wilson as well. So three to Justin Fields. Half of this category is Justin Fields. So that's why I would probably take 
Justin Fields over a guy like Zach Wilson. But that doesn't mean I don't see the talent Zach, geez, I keep doing it. Zach Wilson has. Zach Wilson is an insanely talented quarterback, very strong. He's got the strongest arm out of these quarterbacks. I think he's a very smart decision maker because he is the smallest out of these quarterbacks. He's very smart not taking big hits, and he knows when to run and when not to run. He knows how to get the ball out on time. He's very poised in the pocket. I'd say he's the best out of that. I don't know. It, it makes you think a little bit. If you want to go through that, then do it. Go look at Daniel Jeremiah's Twitter. It was tweeted at 6.56 on the 22nd of February. If you want to go look at that and do that game yourself, poise, decision-making, accuracy, playmaking, toughness, and leadership, who you would think or who you would rate in those categories out of these three quarterbacks. If you want to do it with Mac Jones in there as well, go ahead. you got to think accuracy. I could easily see someone saying Mac Jones for accuracy. Poise, I think you could say Mac Jones for that. A decision-making, you could even say Mac Jones for that too if you really wanted to. Toughness, leadership. I Playmaking, no. I think Mac Jones would even say he's not the best playmaker in this draft. <laughs> but you don't always need to be the best overall playmaker to be the best quarterback. Obviously, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady have made careers off not being amazing playmakers. Like, you get that from Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Those are the playmakers. There's a difference sometimes in those categories. That's how I would view it. That's not a slight on any of the other quarterbacks. This is a very talented overall draft class, not just very talented quarterback draft class. This receiver class is the deepest one ever. Even going back to last year when we had very, very good wide receivers in the first round, like Judy, Ruggs, Lamb, Jefferson, Ayuk, and then the second round, you had Denzel Mims. I know I missed Jalen Rager. I did that on purpose. Mims was in the second round. Van Jefferson was a second-round draft pick. There's probably a couple more. Michael Pittman was a second-round draft pick. T. Higgins was a second-round draft pick. There were some good wide receivers. This draft for wide receivers, I would say, is better than (laughs) last year's, which is a crazy thing to think about. And we've talked about this before, how I think this draft class is better than last year's draft class. We talked about this, when was this, a couple shows ago, about how good this receiving class is comparatively to last year's. Like Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. If you look at the past two drafts, some people like to do this. The best player makes that two wins. Like you see the Khalil Mack trade. The team that got the best player wins. That's what a lot of people used to say. Like the Bears won because they got the best player. The NFL draft this year has the two best wide receivers from the past two seasons in it in Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase. These are the two best receivers over the past two seasons both in this draft class. That should be a wash enough for this draft class to be taken over last year's draft class. And then Jalen Waddell on top of that, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tylen Wallace, Tutu Atwell. There's so many good receivers. Diami Brown. Like, there's so many good. Amari Rogers, like Daz Newsome, Amir Smith-Marset. Like, you just keep going. Brandon Smith, we just got all these really good wide receivers in this draft class. It is such a good wide receiver draft class. Deepest wide receiver draft class ever. You can have so many different top fives for wide receivers in this draft class. It is ridiculous. I think for the most part, last year's was pretty set. Now you're going to have the top three say the same, but the people that slip into the three, four, five, or the four, five, six, seven, eight marks, 
That's where it gets interesting. I think you can catch different variations of Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. You'll catch everybody. Like some of you might rank Tutu Atwell at number four, and then Diami Brown at number six or at number five. Like they're, it's a good draft. Like the second round, you get a guy like I'm just speculating at this point in time. I don't necessarily know who's going in the second round, but like we obviously know the top three are going first round. Waddle Smith, Chase. They're all going first round. Everybody else you can see going in the second round. So we're just going to go like, you get Tony, Bateman, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tutu Atwell, Tylen Wallace. Those are second round talent wide receivers. Those are first round talents in most NFL drafts in regards to wide receivers. Crazy draft. Off the line, Penny Sewell. He's the best off to tackle these past two drafts. Now last year's draft class was way deeper in tackles. Obviously, four first-round tackles, and then some good second-round tackles as well. Developmental pieces in the second round. And then you had the whole situation with Isaiah Wilson, which (laughs) we're not going to talk about that, which a lot of people didn't really know why he went in the first round. I did have him going in the first round of the Titans because that's what I was hearing was going to happen. His size was just something you couldn't ignore, which is the same thing that saw Makai Becton going that early in the draft. But Makai Becton is a 1,000 times a tackle (laughs) <laughs> Isaiah Wilson is. Is it done being a Titan for now? Or he's done being a tenant football as a Titan? But he deleted the tweets. So maybe he's come to. I don't know. It's a weird situation going on there. But Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw, Sam Cosme, Jalen Mayfield, Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eichenberg, Eichenberg, whatever, Dylan Randus, Spencer Brown, UNI Panther, Walker Little was a projected a first round draft pick. By the time last draft got over, he was talked about in the first round of last year's draft. Pad. He's kind of slipped down a little bit. Alaric Jackson could be talked about as a day two pick. Could be. He was a first round projected track tackle last year, then didn't have a great year, and then had a decent year this year for Iowa. I think he made first team all Big Ten this year. So good enough. Alex Leatherwood, the Outland Trophy winner, but he could play both inside or guard and tackle where they're projecting him, anyways. And then Elijah Vera Tucker, Wyatt Davis, Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson is coming off an ACL injury. So we'll see how that affects him in his draft stock. Trey Smith, Deontay Brown, the biggest freaking human in this entire draft. Like there's so many good, like I would just, I would, I'm waxing lyrically about this draft class because it's so good. Even the corner, Sertan, Farley, J.C. Horn, Campbell, Stowe, Samuel, Sean Wade, Greg Newsom, Aaron Robinson, Paulson Adabo. Oh my goodness. So many good corners. So many good corners and linebackers. Micah Parsons, Jeremiah Olosu, Koromoa, Zavid Collins, Nick Bolton, Dylan Moses, Jabril Cox, Chaz Surat. Oh my goodness, Baron Browning. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Such a good draft class. We edge rushers. Oh man. Edge rushers. Gregory Rousseau, Quiddy Pay, Aziz Odalari, Jalen Phillips, Joseph Asai, Jason Owe, Carlos Basham, Patrick Jones. Quincy Roche, Ronnie Perkins. Oh, did I say Jalen Phillips? I don't know if I skipped him or not. I was just going in a different zone at that point in time. Ellerson Smith, another UNI Panther. Oh, my goodness. D-lineman. Not a very deep D-line class, but still some good D-line. Christian Barmore, Davion Nixon, Levi Onruzuruki. I've struggled saying his name forever. Jay Tufel, Marvin Wilson. Oh, my goodness. Tommy Tonkai, Tokai. Oh my goodness. 
Oh, my goodness. Tight end's probably the weakest part. That and safeties. I mean, there's some good safeties. Trayvon Mooring's clear as far as the best safety. Andre Sisko's good. Jevin Holland's good. Hassam Nasruddin is also a good safety. He's like a linebacker safety mix. Rishi Grant, a good safety as well. There's just good players all over this draft. Like we talked about last year, you get a first-round talent in day two, you might be able to do that in day three with most drafts based on how talented this NFL draft class is. Now, we obviously released Mock Draft 1. or 2.0, I guess, the other day, Monday's show. So I would just like to do this real quick, going over my last Mock Draft as opposed to the first Mock Draft and tell you why I thought the way I did and why I might have changed my opinion on something. Okay, simple enough? I think you got it. So in Mock Draft 1.0, Ed Trevor Lawrence going number one overall. Obviously, I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to change that, but Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. We can assume. I had Zach Wilson going two both times to the New York Jets. This one I changed Jamar Chase over Devontae Smith. I think you could you could argue with me on Devontae Smith versus Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. I'll listen to it because they're all very talented wide receivers. It's very hard to rank them apart from each other. But Jamar Chase, like, he's bigger than Devontae Smith by 33 pounds. You can say he played in SEC defenses and he didn't, it didn't bother him then, which it didn't. But as far as drafting process goes, that might hurt him. And then you go with the, oh, he didn't want Tua. He liked Mac Jones. We're going to read a thousand. To, we're going to read so much into that. And then the Dolphins definitely won't be drafting him. The over the past two seasons, 14, 20 plus yard touchdown receptions. And he only played one season, Jamar Chase. He played two, but really played one season. Jamar Chase is a beast. I think Jamar Chase will be the first receiver taken in this draft, regardless if that's the Dolphins or not. Number four, I changed. I had Rashawn Slater going to mock draft 1.0. That might seem crazy at first, but then you look at what Terry Fontenot, the new GM of the Falcons, did in New Orleans, drafted four of their five offensive linemen there in New Orleans. Didn't look at it as we need to fill holes. It was more of let's just keep strengthening a strength. You drafted McCoy in the second round the year before and then drafted another center the year after in Cesar Ruiz. Like you just keep building on that. Ramshack, Andres Pete. Like you got all these guys kept drafting them. The Falcons got a, a need on the left guard spot. Rashawn Slater can play both guard, tackle, and maybe even center. He's got so much versatility in them. Even though he played tackle at Northwestern, he's got the versatility and the smarts to do it. I think that would be a nice pick for the Falcons, and don't be surprised if it happens because they don't necessarily need a quarterback, but they don't have a backup. They don't have a future plan for their quarterback position, so that's why I went with Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance, we've always talked about it, working with Arthur Smith, learning from Matt Ryan for two years would be awesome. Matt or Trey Lance would be perfect for Arthur Smith and that style of offense. Number five, since he going to Penny Sewell again, not very too much, not too much to think about. Jamar Chase, I had him going to the Philadelphia Eagles, but I had him going first this time, so I changed it. By Jalen Waddle going to the Eagles this time. Jalen Waddle is the speed guy. Eagles obviously value speed, but he's a way better receiver than Jalen Rager. This is not a situation where you're drafting Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. No, 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 no. Jalen Waddell, like before he got hurt, was more likely to win the Heisman than Devontae Smith. As I said, go listen back to Cold Cole and Company shows where I've talked about 
Jalen Waddle is one of my dark horse Heismans if I didn't want to include a running back or quarterback. And then Devontae Smith obviously blew up after Waddle wasn't there. That's not disrespect to Jalen or Devontae Smith. I'm not taking away anything he did at Alabama. But Jalen Waddle going to 15, falling outside the top 10. I mean, he could go 11, maybe, but I don't really see him slipping that far out of the top 10. Honestly, I see that happening more with Devontae Smith as opposed to a Jalen Waddle, which might sound crazy to a lot of people. And I basically flipped it. I had the three wide receivers going the exact same spots, just switched all of them up. So last month draft, I had it going Devontae Smith to Miami, Jamar Chase to Philly, Jalen Waddle to Detroit. This time it was Jamar Chase to Miami, Jalen Waddle to Philly, and then Devontae Smith to Detroit. So it just like you bring one. It's like Indian runs. Do you remember doing those in middle school? At least if you're on my team, you did Indian runs. That's where your you're, you're, whole team runs in a line, and the person in the back has to run all the way up to the front, and then they control the pace. Okay, and then you just keep going like that. So that's kind of what we went through here. But Devontae Smith going to the Detroit. You could put any of these receivers in any order you wanted, and I'd be perfectly fine with it. These are very good wide receivers. There's no sliding one to say one's better than the other one. I don't really care. They're all amazing receivers, all with different skill sets. I just think Jamar Chase was so dominant when he played in college, when he was playing for LSU when they won the Natty, and how dominant he was when you look at his stats compared to that of Devontae Smith. They're very similar, but there's certain things Jamar Chase blows them out of the water, especially with his weight too. Jalen Waddle has the speed and the versatility that a lot of teams are going to be looking for, and Devontae Smith won the Heisman. So, I mean going to be a lot of different things that teams take into account here but I think that's more likely to happen go chase Waddle Devontae Smith right now that's just me I know I try to do this on what I'm hearing but this is also what I would what I'm thinking is going to happen number eight Carolina Justin Fields I don't know if Justin Fields will be available eight but I think he fits very well in Carolina if they don't trade for Deshaun or if they take Mac Jones apparently they really like Mac Jones too they coached him in the senior bowl so maybe they like him and they want to draft him over him maybe you never know. Number nine, I had Caleb Farley going to Denver the first one, Micah Parsons the second time. I just think this was the best player available type situation. I think Micah Parsons is a better player if we're talking about overall rankings. But I think there is probably a better chance Caleb Farley goes before Micah Parsons just because of the character concerns. As far as I know, Caleb Farley doesn't have that. He's very raw, which a lot of teams like with Trey Lance, they look for that. But Micah Parsons fills a need. He has the skill set to play both linebacker and edge rusher. If they get rid of Von Miller, he would fill that hole. If they want to play him as an inside linebacker, he'll fill that hole too. Like You can't really go wrong with taking Micah Parsons if you do not worry about his character concerns. Remember they drafted Von Miller when he was in the middle of a battle getting, uh, what is it called? Getting, uh, what is it called? He had to give money over to the NFL. What is that called? He got fined. He was getting fined by the commissioner as he was getting drafted. So I don't think the Broncos really care about that. But Caleb Farley would be a smart pick here. They got rid of A.J. Bouye, so getting a corner would make a lot of sense. Cowboys, I had them taking Sertan and taking Farley the next one. This is just whoever's available. If Farley's available, I think they take Farley. If Sertan's there with Farley gone, they'll take Sertan. They're just going to take the best corner available, I would imagine. Giants at number 11. I had Micah Parsons going to the Giants at 11. In the first one, I had Kyle Pitts going to the Giants at 11. This one, I think Kyle Pitts is perfect for what the Giants want to do. If you want to get a weapon for Daniel Jones, they don't get a lot much better than this. Evan Ingram was fourth in the league in drops last year. 
The Giants were the second worst team in the red zone last year in regards to scoring. Who was the best red zone tight end or red zone threat in college football? Devont or Kyle Pitts, who didn't drop a single pass in the red zone? Kyle Pitts. You can play him out wide. He's a mismatch against corners out of all the tight ends. He had the best grade, according to Pro Football Focus, against corners. So you can guard him. Anybody can guard him, and he'll more than likely beat them. That's how good he is. But if Micah Parsons is there, they could also think about Micah Parsons as the same situation that they had going on in Denver. You have other needs, but sometimes the thought of getting a linebacker like Micah Parsons can be too hard to pass up. Uh, 12, Trey Lance to San Fran. In this one, I had Patrick Sertan. I think Trey Lance would fit in very nicely with San Francisco. I think Mac Jones could definitely go there as well because as we hear about his draft stock and how that thing's on the rise, makes a lot of sense for him to go play with Kyle Shanahan, learn from Jimmy G. But I had them taking Patrick Sertan. They have a need at corner. Sherman's going to be gone. They're gonna, it looks like they're going to sign re-sign Jason Barrett, which is smart. If Trey Lance is there, which I don't think he will be, go ahead and take him. He's a beast. I love Trey Lance. A lot of people don't know Trey Lance because they didn't watch North Dakota State. I don't blame anybody for not watching him play FCS football. Now you've got a chance to watch him. Now, they're not as exciting as they were last year. They're pretty boring because, you know, a very dynamic quarterback is gone. But they're still going to be fun to watch, still dominant. If you want to watch really good team play football, go watch North Coast State. But I think Sertan makes more sense than Lance here because I think Sertan has more likely chance to be available here. Uh, 13, the Chargers taking Rashawn Slater versus Kyle Pitts in mock draft 1.0. Hunter Henry looks like he's coming back. By the time I made my last mock draft, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to come back, but it sounds like he might. Chargers have a big need at inside off to lineman. Mike Pouncey retired. They've obviously had a need at left guard and left tackle over the past few seasons. So you can plug and play Rashawn Slater anywhere on there. I don't really think Rashawn Slater will be available here. I think it's way more likely Elijah Vera Tucker goes here. But with how this mock draft panned out, this is just how it happened. I do agree with that last mock draft I saw with a chance of Rashawn Slater going to Cincy at number five with Penny Sewell going to the Dolphins. I think that makes a ton of sense. If they want to, if Penny Sewell goes to the Jets, that would make a ton of sense as well. I said a couple weeks ago that I didn't think he would fall past the freaking Cowboys. But that made this draft hard to do when looking at the grand scheme of things. For me, anyways, trying to get him to go to Dallas and messed up everything else. So I just thought this worked best. And if he does for all the Chargers, which I don't know if he will be available here, go ahead and take him because he's going to be the best offensive lineman when you're picking. Okay? If he's available. He's the second best offensive lineman in this draft. If he's available, take him. Vikings, Gregor Rousseau. Mike Zimmer says it's the worst defense ever. Their edge rusher was... What, do I say it? Yeah. The Red Dresser was shit last year. So this would vastly improve that. He's got extreme length, which not a lot of te- not anybody can teach. Can't teach size and speed. You can't teach it. You either have it or you don't. And he's got length and speed in bunches. Very similar style to that of Daniil Hunter. You have Daniil Hunter and Gregor Rousseau coming off the edge. That is a long, long group of defensive ends right there. It would definitely help improve the Vikings defense. I know they need offensive linemen, but... It'd be hard to pass up or so if you're Mike Zimmer. And after coming out the quotes that this is the worst defense he's ever had, I find it hard to believe the Vikings don't come away with some sort of defensive help in the first round. Patriots, Mac Jones, it just makes too much sense not to happen. With the reports that his draft stock's rising, I just think it just makes too much sense. Cardinals, Elijah Vera Tucker versus J.C. Horn. 
They need a corner. Looks like Patrick Peterson might be gone, but I think they also need offensive line help as well. Cliff Kingsbury is going to want to protect Kyler because that's the only thing keeping his job alive. If Kyler Murray's not there, Cliff Kingsbury don't have a job. And you know what he did at Texas Tech? Kind of neglected the defense. I know they drafted Isaiah Simmons last year, but I think they go back to offense if Vera Tucker's available, which there's a chance he won't be. I do think there's a very strong chance he goes to the Chargers. In that case, J.C. Horn goes here. He's in the corner. Raiders, Jeremiah Wosu, Cormo for both. Athletic linebacker, Raiders have always loved athleticism. John Mike Mayock loves athletic freaks. Koromoa is that. Raiders got blown up by Derrick Brooks in the Super Bowl. This is a very similar style of linebacker. Can make plays all over the freaking field. A safety playing linebacker, a freaking heat-seeking missile all over the play. I love Koromoa. He's awesome. One of my favorite prospects in this entire draft. Number 18, the Dolphins taking Elijah Vera Tucker in Mock Draft 1.0. Jalen Phillips in Mock Draft 2.0. They're going to need some help off the edge if they want to do that in the first round or second round. Don't care, but if Jalen Phillips available, he's a similar style prospect to Rousseau with the length situation going on there, size, speed, length, very big pro- very big things people look for in prospects. If Elijah Vera Tucker's there, they could use some help on the O-line, stir up the O-line a little bit more. He'd have a very young O-line, but you do that with getting Sewell as well. So it makes, I think they'll go after alignment some point in this draft. Whether that be with their first pick, second pick, or second round pick, they'll go with the lineman. But I think Jalen Phillips is the best player available for the Dolphins with Vera Tucker being gone. That fills a need anyways. 19, I had Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver from the Florida Gators, going to Washington with Christian Derrissaw going there this time. I think it'd be hard to pass on a tackle like Christian Derrissaw. Very hard, especially if you're Washington, a local prospect. Played at Virginia Tech from Maryland or from Virginia, a half hour away from D.C. Very hard to pass on a guy like that. Sure up, you're off to line. Get the Hogs back. Get Brandon Sheriff back. If you can somehow get him back, do that. And then Derrisson Sheriff have the makings of a pretty talented off to line. I like Tony going there too. Get another weapon to partner Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas. Bears, Jalen Mayfield versus Christian Dare. So they're just going to take a tackle. The best tackle available is who they're going to take. Jalen Mayfield for the Bears. Take him. If Darisaw's there, take Darisaw. Don't even think twice about it. But if he's not, take Jalen Mayfield. Colts, I had them taking Jalen Mayfield in the first one. And then Kadarius Toney, this one. Colts, they have Michael Pittman. They have Jonathan Taylor. Don't know if T.Y. Hilton's going to come back. Get a guy like Kadarius Toney who's got size six foot tall can make plays all over the field, whether you want to play him at the running back spot, wide receiver, anything. He has the best burst outside of Jalen Waddle out of all these receivers, and that includes the likes of Tutu Atwell and Rondell Moore. This dude is a freaking machine. He does. He did literally everything. He had major stats in rushing, receiving, and even passing at Florida. He's going to go in the first round. I don't think there's a lot of questions regarding that, but if the Colts don't get Jalen Mayfield... I think they go here. I know they haven't needed left tackle. I know that Costanza retired. But if Kadarius Tony's available here, it's going to be hard for the Colts to pass on him. Next, Tennessee Titans, Quiddy Pay. They just need edge rushing. There's not a lot of thinking there. I had that for both. Jets, J.C. Horn, going to have need at corner. They have a need all over their team, but the cornerback's position is a big one. I'm taking Aziz Ojolari because edge rushing is a big one as well. Aziz Ojolari. 
very fast and athletic edge rusher can play both with his hand in the dirt or on a 3-4 defense, more accustomed to the 3-4 defense as an outside linebacker, which is what the Jets ran with Greg Williams. Do they keep that same thing with Salah, who ran a 4-3 with the Niners? I don't know. Time will tell on that. But J.C. Horn getting a easily, like there's a group, the top three corners in this draft are clear from the rest of them. You Like receiver, you could find thousands of different lists for who's the best next best corner after the Farley, Sertan, Horn group. You got Tyson Campbell, Aaron Robinson, Greg Newsom, Asante Samuel Jr., Eric Stokes. There's probably some more that I'm missing. There's a lot of really good corners in this draft class, but if Horn's available, it fills a big need for the Jets. Makes sense at 23 if he's available. Pittsburgh Steelers, Tevin Jenkins for both. Need off to tackle help. He's a big dude. Steelers love to run the ball. He was a part of an offensive line that cleared the holes for a 2,000-yard rusher. I think that fits what the Steelers want to do. I think it just makes a lot of sense in general for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jacksonville Jaguars, Christian Barmore. Again, big need on defense. Phillip Runholes can also rush the passer from the inside spot. 26, Zayvon Collins for both. Need help at linebacker. Their linebacking course sucks. Very bad as opposed to the rest of the NFL. Young. But not great. You can definitely improve that by getting a guy like Zayvon Collins who play edge or as a normal linebacker, which they could use some help to partner Miles Garrett as well. Number 27, Rashad Bateman in my first one, Aziz Odolari in my second one. There's a chance that Matthew Judon and Yanni Ngakwe both leave in free agency. Those are their two starting edge rushers from last year. And they've struggled getting to the quarterback anyways when ever since Darius Smith left, this just makes sense even if you keep one of both of those guys. Getting a guy like Aziz Ojolari to come off the edge. A natural 3-4 linebacker. Ravens play a 3-4 defense. Makes a ton of sense for the Baltimore Ravens. Rashad Bateman makes sense too. But I think they could get a wide receiver in free agency to help sure up that side of their offense. And there's not a lot of... There's, there's way more receivers, as we said before, than edge rushers in this draft, like quality ones. There's obviously a lot of edge rushes, but there's more receivers available that you can easily get in the second or third round that would help sure up that receiving core. Trayvon Mooring for the Saints. I mean, Marcus Williams is leaving. Malcolm Jenkins can't play forever. He's easily the best safety in this draft. Take him. It's fine. Number 29, I had the first one. I had Eric Stokes going to the Packers. This one I had Rondell Moore. I toyed with Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, and Nick Bolton. For this one, the linebacker from Missouri. I toyed with that thought a lot because they let Blake Martinez go for pretty much nothing to the Giants. So I would look at the linebacker here if I'm the Packers. They don't naturally, they don't really ever draft wide receivers in the first round. The last one they did that was Javon Walker in 2002 and then Sterling Sharp before that in 88. They don't really draft wide receivers in the first round. They don't do that. But this one might be hard to pass on. Though, again, you can get a lot of good wide receivers in this draft class. Maybe you look at a 2-2 Atwell. Very similar style receiver to that of Rondell Moore in the second round if you want to do that. Eric Stokes, again, the cornerback thing, there's a lot of good cornerbacks in this draft class. Every list is going to be different. I think the top three generally stay the same. You could flip-flop Sertan and Farley, but that 4-5 everything else list, you are going to find thousands of different lists on that. I just put... I just put Stokes because I think he's the fastest out of all of these guys. And that's what the Packers like. 
Uh, Najee Harris, the Bills, my my first one. Travis Etienne in the second one. I had Travis Etienne going in the first round. And then right before I posted it, I changed it. Like that. Like right before I posted it. And I changed it. But this time I stuck to my guns. I've always been a huge fan of Travis Etienne. You can go listen back on the spot on the SoundCloud account. If those episodes are still up, me praising Travis Etienne. Because he's awesome. He would fill what the Bills need. You can split him out wide. You can play him in the backfield. He's way more versatile than Najee Harris. He's not as big as him. But if you look at versatility and what he can provide to the Bills passing game as well as run game, he can provide to the Bills what Thurman Thomas provided the Bills in the 90s. Okay? I love both fits here. The Bills obviously need a running back. One of these guys, I hope, goes to Buffalo. And after looking at it again, after I've been, I would again, I'd be fine with either one. I would want Travis Etienne with the Buffalo Bills. Love Travis Etienne. He'd fit in awesome. Uh, 31, Alex Leatherwood going to the Chiefs. The first one, Wyatt Davis. This one, Wyatt Davis, the only pure guard in this draft. At least that's going to get talked about in the first round. Not a versatile player like Elijah Vera Tucker or Rashawn Slater, who's a tackle guard hybrid, if you want to call it that. Even Jalen Mayfield's been considered that. Alex Leatherwood's been considered that. Wyatt Davis, and then you can throw in Landon Dickerson, who's going to get talked about in the first round. He's a center, same with Creed Humphrey. But they're going to need some interior off-the-line help, whether that be a hybrid like Alex Leatherwood or Wyatt Davis. I think I went with Leatherwood because of the fact Davis is coming off a knee injury when he got against Alabama. But I don't know if that ultimately ultimately hurt his draft stock. I think he might be fine by that point. At least I hope so. Same with Landon Dickerson. He's a similar situation there, but he tore his ACL. I don't know the extent of Wyatt Davis's knee injury. But I think he's the best interior off-the-line prospect in this draft past Vera Tucker. And then Jalen Phillips going in the first one to Tampa Bay. This one, Ronnie Perkins. Edge rusher just makes sense. Uh, Ronnie Perkins was going to go off this year if he didn't have that five-game suspension at the start of the year. He had, was a half stack away from his career high and played five less games. Like He was going to go off if they played a full season, but he didn't. He didn't. And he can only blame himself for that. If they get uh, Shaq Barrett back, you can still do it. I think it makes sense regardless. I don't know what the what the Bucks are necessarily targeting. Off the line makes a lot of sense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. But I had him going Ronnie Perkins there. So that's my mock draft 1.0 compared to mock draft 2.0. Go and check them out on the Logan Blackman Show's website under the blog tab. And you can also go read all the other blogs we have posted on there as well. Go subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. It's 921 right now. This is the earliest I've gotten done with the show in freaking ever. I'm excited. I actually get to go to bed at an early time. I went to bed at like 1230 last show. Now I get to go to bed at hopefully 1030. Let's go. Very exciting times here on the Logan Blattman Show. I hope you enjoyed it. That's all I've got for you today. I'll see you next time. Peace.